Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled, the TV News Podcast. I am Peter and joining me is Connor. Yep, still here. Another week. We have, well, not really living you but we, we got a show coming back. We got a premiere date. We got comedies. We got dramas to talk about. We got some casting updates. And we got all sorts of things. We have yet more franchises being resurrected for new original oh, series <laughs> on streaming I, services. I, I don't know if I've seen this or not. <laughs> the, the problem is, there are so many of these now that maybe I did see it and just just completely glanced over it. It's or alternatively, I just didn't. It's not one of the bigger ones, so I, I wouldn't suspect you've seen it or it'll be a big mm. deal when you hear about it. But it's still, it's yet another thing from the past that's yeah, yeah. been churned into something. Every, everything's got to have a name. Mm. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I just, before we even get into the TV stuff for this particular episode, obviously, uh, nice response to the show being back last week. People seem very happy to have the TV news back. Some people, people seem surprised that I'm back. I never went anywhere. Yeah, Carl's been on the comics podcast consistently the whole time, but yeah, because... Star Trek, a little bit less consistent, but True. mostly. But I think it's fair to assume that a lot of the audience on this channel don't necessarily watch the, the comics podcast over on the comics channel, so... That is fair, yeah. Uh, so yes, you've just been absent in some certain people's lives <laughs> for the last like six months. But uh, so now it was nice to get uh, the the warm response. Uh, honestly, first thing I want to talk about, I don't even have it in front of me. I just I want to say there's a bit of a drama going on right now. It's very there's a lot of anxiety that I'm feeling because I keep being teased with the possibility of a new David Lynch movie, and I'm not happy <laughs> with the backwards and forwards of it. And I know Lynch is feeding on this. I know Lynch. Whether he has a project that's already done and ready to go soon, or he doesn't, either way, he's enjoying the fact that we're all sitting stewing on it. He is an eldritch creature that feeds on the uncertainty. And he's denied it, but he denied Twin Peaks coming back like up until like the 11th hour of that yeah, being right announced. Yeah, until before they were like, yeah, it's a thing. So, we can't necessarily take it for granted that that's, that's not the case. You know, there's been reports of a mystery movie... From a uh, from a notable director, multiple places started cu- talking about David Lynch. Started talking about his regular actors maybe, making appearances. Maybe, maybe the real swerve is he's not making a movie. It's actually a, it's, it's actually a another like six episode season of Twin Peaks. Well, I mean, he was maybe working on that uh, show for Netflix that was uh, codenamed Mysteria, which oh, yeah. may still be happening separately from this secret mm. project. I don't think a Netflix show would be premiering at Cannes, though. Is the thing. <laughs> That, that doesn't really line up with all these mind. stories. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I'll take whatever it is. Uh, obviously, it's, it's more movie related, but uh, the, the, I'm, I'm all for the opening of this show to allow a little leeway in other topics should something interesting be going on. And the possibility of a David Lynch project, which will be the second David Lynch project since I discovered and fell in love with David Lynch work, <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. They don't happen that often these days. No, because you know, I discovered him after Inland Empire, so the first thing I got that was new David Lynch was the Twin Peaks Season 3. <laughs> that was the first thing I got from him that was new. We had a hell of a year that, that year, starting oh, in like, January with you know the original stuff and then just working through all of Twin Peaks like most of the year. Oh, it's one of the best things we've ever done review-wise. Like, I, I thoroughly recommend get, going to the playlist and just, if, you, if you've seen the show before... Watch the episode and then you know listen to our review after. If you haven't seen the show, even better because you'll probably because at least you'll get some of the speculation with us in the reviews because we hadn't seen the rest of it yet. So we were we, just we kind of didn't know what we were spouting bollocks. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, possible possible David Lynch. It's not a, it's not a drill. There may be a drill, but that's the sort of existential crisis that he wants us to have. Finger on the klaxon, ready? Yeah. Yes. Just in case. I, I think. <laughs> I saw someone like a screenshot, just part of like the interview that he gave where he denied it, and he just sort of he, he said no and then laughed, and then I was like, but if you pointed out if it was subtitles, you know, the, and then laughed laughter, I was like, see that laughter makes me think he's up to something. The thing is, it's up to with something. Lynch, the laughter could still mean either way. It could. No, that's 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 the, the crazy thing about David Lynch because he is a mad bastard who. He's the most unpredictable so I just, film director alive. I want more David Lynch, so let's let's uh, let's let's do it, Davey boy. So let's get into the TV news, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, all right. So this isn't exactly a renewal per se, but I'm uh, you know I'm putting it in the where the renewals would go because it's as good as uh, Larry David was asked, "Will he do more Kirby enthusiasm?" And he said, "Yes, I'm definitely doing another season." Uh, well, Shocking no one. 
normally that wouldn't be enough to say that something is definitely coming back but this is larry david and hbo and kirby enthusiasm and it's been very clear over the past decade and a half that whenever he decides he wants to do another season hbo will open the doors and say here's your money go do it yep. so pretty much i can't imagine it's that expensive a show for them right no uh, I, I think probably the, the biggest thing about it is probably just the fact that it shoots in california and you know yeah maybe some of the guest stars but uh, yeah in terms of like production value effects and action sequences yes yeah, there's nothing as far as there. hbo are concerned it's it's basically pocket change very, very lately very lately and it's got a lot of critical acclaim people like it uh so yeah. that's very good uh so yeah season 11 just finished airing in december so it's not been too long but you know i imagine it'll probably be another year or two before we see any whiff of it but that's okay you can take time between seasons now he's our he's our in the later schedule that's yeah. old uh, so that's Kirby Enthusiasm coming back for season 12 at some point. Uh, and then we got a premiere date as well for season 2 of Hacks. This is the HBO Max comedy. And I honestly put every premiere date I see because some things are just kind of obscure, but I've never heard of them. So, and they're not season 1, so I just, whatever. But I actually did watch the pilot of this. This was one of the pilots that won the Patreon vote a few months just towards the end of last year. I think it was December. There was like no new pilots coming out because, you know, December's kind of dead for new shows. Uh, so I just sort of said, hey, there's, here's some pilots from throughout the year that got some critical acclaim, and this was one of them. This was the one that won, and it was actually a pretty decent comedy. Uh, Jean Smart's in it. Uh, she's this like, stand-up comedian who's who's older, who's been told that she, you know, we need to make room for new talent, so get off the stage, and she teams up with this young up-and-coming like comedy writer who's been kind of like blacklisted for several reasons, and it's them kind of like... The first episode was really good because it set up how who both the characters were individually. They didn't really want to meet each other, but then when they did, it was like kind of this like clash of the titans of just how witty they, they were with everyone. Like they were really witty in a really sort of bitchy way to everyone around them, and it was funny. It was in you know it was kind of endearing in that kind of TV comedy way. But when they got into a room together, it was like, well, now they're going to spar because they're just funny as each other, and it wasn't bad. I actually like it's, it's a show that I'm probably going to binge at some point when I'm in the mood for a random comedy yeah so uh but yeah season two is going to debut on the 12th of may uh with two episodes then be weekly after that uh it'll wrap up on june 2nd it's an eight episode season i was gonna say that's not very many episodes then right no uh i suspect it may actually be two episodes in more than one week since it's only yeah that's only like four weeks yeah isn't that that's must be a week must be two a week yeah yeah which it's quick, but I mean, you're only getting like, you know, I mean, the, the length varies because it's a streaming service. I think I'm think i assuming they're roughly 30-ish minutes at most. I think the first one that I watched was like more like 45, but you know, that was the first episode with all that set up, so I suspect, yeah, it's they're probably yeah. closer to the 30 mark. But that's the thing though, Ted Lasso started that way, and then by the time you get towards the end of season two, a lot of them were sneaking up out of the 50-minute range. Yeah, yeah. But, so. but it is really good, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not complaining. Uh, by any means but yeah so cool uh, so season two of hacks is coming on the 12th of may uh all right next up uh just some casting because i know you're a big robbie robbie amell fan so i thought i'd tell you that he's going to be in the witcher season three i mean sure why not i like witcher <laughs> I've, I've watched season two believe it or not oh wow oh, yeah. it, it was uh, fine it was more witcher uh yeah so he's he's joining the cast along with uh menger zhang from Sang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings, Hugh Skinner from Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, <laughs> what credit? And uh, Christelle Elwin, Half-Blood. They've all joined the cast of season three, so, you know, just, if, nothing, if, you, if you care about the Witcher TV show, they're, they're casting stuff now for season three. It's all, you know, they're going ahead. The wheels are moving. I'm, I'm, I'm glad season three is happening. Don't wrong, I don't think it's the best show ever. I think it's a pretty solid, you know, fantasy show, and I enjoy as a sucker for those, I'm going to watch it. I agree you're a yeah. sucker, yes. Yeah, yeah, I know you would. Next up. Now, there's not too much news with this. I think you mentioned it briefly last week, but I just wanted to put this into the list to talk about it because, you know, it's, we've not really had a chance to talk about it properly. And that is Sam Esmail's new show that's in the works. He is doing a retelling or a re like a, a, some new interpretation of Metropolis, the, the classic sci-fi uh, movie. Uh, I don't know if that was based on something as well first. It may have been, but... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So the news is, is that it's going to shoot in Australia, 
and they're using one of the biggest uh, virtual like sound stages uh, that exists for it. Okay. Um, which makes sense given they're going to be in a futuristic city and you know none of it will exist, so it makes sense a lot of it will be in like a that type of setup. Uh, but yeah, apparently it's going to create nearly four thousand jobs in the state of Victoria. Um, Good so. for them. Yeah, so uh, big production going to, and you know, I, I'm excited because it's Sam Esmail's next project, and he's doing sci-fi. Like, and it's uh, you know, arguably Mr. Robot veered into a little tiny bit of sci-fi here or there, tiny. It it dipped its toes. It, I'd say it dipped its toes thematically. Sometimes we theorized it was going to get more properly sci-fi, but it was only ever thematically a little bit sci-fi. Whereas this is, you know, full on, we're in a futuristic metropolis and we've got the, the, the class system being tackled, we've got robots, all sorts of things. I'm ecstatic to see what he's going to do with this. Yeah, and let's be honest, anything that Esmail's writing directing the whole show of, we're going to watch. Yes. There's, there's no maybe or oh, it doesn't matter what the, you know, oh, it's, it's not a very interesting premise, it, it, we'd watch it no matter what. And let's be honest, I'm not going to deny it. Some shows that I am inherently more interested in will get some of these smaller updates on the show because I mm. want to just remind everyone of it. Yes, you you have your biases. Yes, and this wouldn't be this show. I didn't adhere to my biases, so. Oh, just you wait till till I get to talk about some Doctor Who when you snub the, the snub all the important Doctor Who news. <laughs> hey, I get a new episode this week. It's great. I haven't had one of them in a few months. How's it back? It's it's just doing specials this year. Uh, um, so we had the one on New Year's Day. We got this one, which is Easter. We've got one in the fall, which <laughs> is going to be, I believe, the regeneration episode, and it's it's going to be longer because it's for the BBC centenary. So it's like a celebration thing. Mm, yeah. And then new Doctor, new season next year, and. I think next year is the 60th anniversary, so it'll have probably something for that as well. I'm not so sure why after you said they're just doing specials this year, you thought I wanted you to elaborate in any way, shape, uh, or form beyond You didn't, that. but the audience might have done. <laughs> I have to accommodate for them. You, you, you love to remind me of that. Uh-huh. Um, our audience has taste. Yes, and... that's why they all love Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Uh, uh, yes, BBC can enjoy its centennial before it meets its demise. Uh, so... Sadly, that is probably <laughs> true right now. Uh, next up, so Fallout House of Usher, uh, which is the Netflix eight-episode limited series based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. And if I remember correctly, I'm scrolling down to see if it gives me this properly. That's the Flanagan one, right? I think so, yeah. I was, I was just trying to scroll down to double-check, yeah. Um, Mark Hamill in it. Carl Gugino, Mary McDonnell, uh, interesting cast there, and Mark Hamill, yeah. Um, so, but the news on this is that one of the cast members has been taken out. Uh, Frank Langella, or Langella, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, actually. Uh, but he's, he's a long-working actor. Uh, but he's been taken out of the show because he's dealing with an investigation right now, uh, a sexual harassment investigation, so they have decided to take him out of the show. They're continuing to shoot the show right now, but they're just working around uh, the scenes that his character is supposed to, you know, is in, and then they're going to recast and shoot those scenes further down the production schedule. Which I'm sure the production manager and anyone involved in scheduling the shoot is all pulling their hair out right now, like rearranging everything. Yep. But uh, yeah, as well as I, I even heard this happened. Um, it it just says here in this article, um, where are we here? Uh, Social investigation, um. Oh, yes, okay. So the 84-year-old actor has been accused of sexual harassment, including making inappropriate comments to a female co-star on set during work. I just wanted to specify exactly what he's been accused of. Is that there. on set during work at this job? I don't think it's in this job. I think this is probably a previous job. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so. Uh, oh, not nice news, obviously, no. but uh, I thought it was worth uh, mentioning. It's uh, so somewhat interesting in that show in general, though, after Midnight Mass, although that did appeal to me a little bit more than some of his other stuff. I, I still haven't watched Midnight Mass, funnily enough. Uh, I really liked uh, Hunting a Hill House, uh, barring the ending was a little bit lukewarm, but the rest of it was really good. Uh, the sequel show, which he wasn't as involved in, Flanagan didn't like, direct all of that. Uh, oh, I, did not? I dropped out after... Like, it wasn't terrible, but after two episodes, I was just like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm done. Um, I would say Midnight Mass... I think it it appealed to me more as an ex-Catholic, so it has a lot of like 
things that, that really like struck at me. Um, I think the first half is significantly better than the back half, but my god, there are some amazing monologues. If you if you like, hey, we're gonna sit in a room and talk for fifteen minutes, and we're just gonna monologue, and with with some lovely direction while they do that, then then that is the show for you. Yeah, I like how ex Catholic sounds a lot like ex God. <laughs> it does, it? yeah. <laughs> it's it it was terrifying because I've not been to church in about a decade. And I thought, oh no, I've just forgotten, you know, church things. Because it's not something that's in my mind. Um, that show comes, you know, you know, the, the, there's a lot of like church services and stuff. And, you know, you, the priest will be saying the things and all the responses just, like, they're, they're there. They're just deeply ingrained in a way that's kind of terrifying. That I didn't realize they were there just as this like triggered response when they say it. It's just like, yeah, it just snaps, comes out. Yeah, I don't know any of that. Uh, although I was in a church. A couple of years ago for a funeral, but I mean, probably. I mean, uh, it was a Catholic church. A Catholic church. Yeah, because because well, the person was Catholic. So. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, a lot of the little things they did were weirding me out. I didn't like people were kneeling. But there's down a lot of front. weird little things, <laughs> yeah. yeah, in in Catholicism <laughs> that growing up, obviously, I didn't realize were weird. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't until later that I'm it like, felt, it, felt like been a, it felt like I was sitting in the middle of a cult and just been like, I hope they don't <laughs> notice that I'm not part of their cult. <laughs> yep, it's it's strange, but like I said, it, it turns out I don't think I could actually go to an actual service now because they they uh and, and have that same response because they changed the translation that they use. So there's oh. like some of the thing, like some of the wording of things is different. Oh, you mean so, well, like an idiot where you say the wrong, you say the old version. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, it, it, but it's because because it, it's so ritualized. They say specific phrases, and there are specific responses. But because they don't say those phrases anymore, my brain wouldn't immediately start pulling out the responses like it does when I'm watching the show. Because the show makes a point of going, I, I prefer the old version, so I'm just going to do that. Um, so, so the, the, I think so the, very specifically to hit at lapsed Catholics. So, so the priest says something like, "Whoop," and then the crowd goes, "There it is." Yeah, it's exactly like that. Okay. It's it's scary. Yeah, you hear it and you just you just respond. Uh, it's got a funny funny sketch in my head now. Just of a priest in his <laughs> congregation doing his crappy nineties uh, yeah. rock music. Well, not rock. That's more of a rap song, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got a couple of trailers this week. Connor didn't want to watch the first one because it's uh, Stranger Things Season 4. Uh, that's fair enough. I won't get too specific on it, but it's worth mentioning that it's there. Uh, of course, we already knew it was coming back in May. Second half is in July. Um, I will say from this trailer, it does look kind of interesting. Uh, one, again, they've all aged a bit, so they're all, you know, they're in high school now, so you know, they feel a bit older, which feels quite nice because it's natural and fits the, the ages. Uh, I'm sure they're all a little bit older than they actually are, but that's always been true, so the time difference still works. Still feels like a bit of a time, like, you know, they, they went, okay, no, we do need to do a bit of a jump here. Oh, for sure. Uh, it does sound, sound like, you know, because the, the trailer and the poster had this as well, is that, you know, the every end has a beginning. And we know that season five is the last season, season four is not the last season. But it does certainly feel like everything that's happening this season is and if you know we got this from the end of season three the little bit at the end of season two kind of hinted that the upside down and the things in it or the main thing in it is kind of pissed that this this girl I, and this group of people keep messing with what, what it's I, I doing i do wonder if it'll maybe have a little bit of a an inherent flaw in this season as its season on, on its own right in that it might feel less standalone it might feel like sure. you know this is kind of Almost part the one ending, of two part one, yeah. yeah, and and that'll probably be fine in the long run. But I, I do wonder if it might make this season, as you're watching it, feel a little underwhelming, perhaps by the end. And, and that could be completely wrong. But you know, yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll see. You know, the seasons have all had kind of like a like a type of movie or piece of pop culture that they've tried to sort of build the market around. So you know, season three was the mall season. So there's a lot of mall stuff. Yeah, uh, and you know, in the build up season three, I think what surprised me about this, obviously, there's some stuff we see Hopper in Russia, which is you know not spoiler. That's something that's been revealed already before uh, that little yeah, yeah. scene they did it they put out a long time ago now. Uh, yeah, but they, you know, like so he, there's stuff with that them and the kids spot because it looks like much like season three implied, you've got 
uh, Will and Eleven, they've moved off somewhere else. So they were in high school together, and then the rest of the kids are back in the town in high school together. Uh, well, not the older ones, they've already graduated. <laughs> but that setup is there. But what, I think what's the, so there's some other things going on, but the, the main thing it seemed to be focused on to sort of give you like a bit of flavor of like, okay, this is the. And it probably won't be as frequently used as the mall was. But there is, like, an old house that looks kind of like a haunted house. And I don't think it's actually haunted, but that's kind of the vibe they're going for. Like, there's something creepy. Like, I mm. assume one of the monsters from the Upside Down or something's in the house. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of them getting in with the torches and like, looking around. And, like, there's a lot of shots of the house with lightning behind it or what it was. You know, so it, it's definitely going for that. So if, if yeah. there's one thing I was going to tell you from the trailer to give you a bit of flavor, it'd be like, oh, it looks like they're going to try and do some, like, you know, teen horror stuff with, uh, like, a creepy house. So. That's fine. I'm, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, although, probably I'll be, I'll probably be enjoy it more once I'm watching it than I am actually looking forward to it. It's been a long time, so kind of excitement's faded a little bit. It has been a long time. I actually think I'm going to rewatch the first three because it's not that many episodes that I think I've got time to just sort of casually. You, you, you probably do because I mean, yeah. like just for context, that teaser that we just mentioned of Hopper in Russia, that was released pre-pandemic. Because <laughs> I remember talking about that with colleagues at my old job. And and, and to be fair, like it's understandable the pandemic maybe pushed things Delayed considerably. Things, yeah. But um, it's been a long time since the last episode, so th there's not that inherent excitement of oh I'm you know I'm, I'm oh I need more right now. It'll be but but once it's there, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. To his credit, I I don't think I need to rewatch it. I feel like I remember everything that's important, but I just kind of want to because I really like I the definitely, show. Definitely, I definitely remember everything that's important from season three. There's probably some moments from the earlier stuff that I remember less well because I I've not rewatched it at all. Yeah, and especially right. as we get towards the end of the show, it'll probably start calling back to some of those moments a bit more. And I think this huge gap because you know, unless something goes wrong, I suspect that the gap between season four and five will not be as big as this one was for obvious reasons. It'll probably be the usual fifteen to eighteen months that yeah. a lot of these Netflix shows have. Yeah, the previous Stranger Things gaps were. included. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it coming back. Um, it should be a fun time. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and then the other trailer we got uh, was for a Hulu show called Candy. Now, I think I remember talking about this back when it was being developed early. Uh, about this, uh, based on a true story, it's this housewife who ends up murdering some people after she has an affair. Uh, Jessica Biel's starring in this as Candy Montgomery. Uh, like I said, the show's called Candy, so named after her, obviously. And... I guess what I would point out from this trailer is it's definitely going for kind of a quirky, offbeat kind of vibe. But it's playing a lot with its time period. You know, it's set uh, in the, the early 80s, I think. I think it's got a quirky lead character in Candy. Mm. But a lot of the way the trailer was cut felt fairly generic. Yeah, but she's in, like, almost every scene in the trailer. So uh, yeah. I, I, got, I got, like, a quirky vibe with the way she interacted with everyone. Hmm. And then I would say, I mean, there is definitely some other things in there. Like they, they have like the almost uh, iconic Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, like the photo flash sound. Oh yeah, yeah. At one point, which you associate with crime scenes, um, it doesn't show you too much of the actual murdery stuff. It just you know, there's some quick flashes, like a, some blood, a flash of an axe or whatever. It doesn't really show too much of it. So they're kind of keeping that close to the vest a little bit. But probably the end of the first episode, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. It it depends how much of it's about her covering up. Although that said, it's, they're doing this, because uh, at the end of the trailer it says it's a five-night event, so I think they're just doing five episodes over over five is nights. Just, is it just five episodes? Okay, because I didn't know if they were doing two a night. Oh, maybe it is two a night. I, uh, I, I have no absolutely no reason to think that, but I just know, you know, ten episodes is a pretty common number for these shows, which is why I thought maybe. Uh, Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it's May 9th, and it airs nightly through the 13th. So... Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. So, which you know is, I mean, I I'd prefer weekly, typically for just about everything, but I, I kind of get what they're going for, I suppose. There's been a few examples of these sort of weekly events, and yeah, they can be, they can be good. And to his credit, I do believe this is all set in a week, and then show, mm. so it does kind of like fit like what they're doing. That makes uh, sense. It wouldn't surprise me if it's over five days, and each episode is literally one day of the the event that's very possible yeah uh so it depends how early in the week she murdered someone <laughs> end of monday yeah. um 
there you go. Uh, but it looks alright for, for what it is, I would say. I, it didn't blow me away. I wasn't, like, thinking, oh, this looks like the next best thing, but... Yeah, like I said, I think some of the direction looked a bit generic, but that might be just the way it's cut in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. So, couple of comedies uh, to, to talk about. So, Mira Simhan... Or Saman uh, from The Flash, although I don't recognize her from the photos, so maybe. How, how, how are we spelling this? M W E R A and then S I M H A N. S A. That again, sorry. S I M H A N. Simon, right? Who did she play in Flash? I mean, maybe a recent character that we didn't see because we start watching. Uh, might well be. I'm. I'm just. Uh, IMDb should should have us covered, right? What you think? She played. Uh, Rachel Rosso in two episodes in 2019. Is that after we stopped? Uh. Mm. Actually, no. Don't well, clearly she wasn't that memorable. The character wasn't that memorable. Clearly. No. Oh, it was during the stuff where they were fighting blood work. So. Okay. I remember I remember Bloodwork. I barely remember Bloodwork, if I'm honest. If, if Bloodwork's the character, I think Bloodwork was the guy who was from Heroes. The last notable thing I remember from The Flash is Chris Klein ha chewing the scenery in Every Meta Must Dying. That, that's what I remember. I think this was the season after that, where okay. we stopped having fun shouting that at each other. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, she... that's all we did for weeks. Anyway, she's been cast... Uh, Opposite Rima Sampa and Chris Sullivan in The Son-in-Law. It's an ABC single-camera comedy. Uh, Son-in-Law, written and executive produced by Adri Segal, and executive produced by Jake Kasdan and Melvin Marr. Uh, Assault, of the Sorry, Assault of the Earth Man, played by Sullivan, finds himself seeking the approval of his new fiancé, Ash's uh, sophisticated parents, even as he is a difficult-to-impress father-in-law to his daughter's longtime boyfriend. So they're doing like a generational thing where he's trying to press his new father-in-law, but he's also been a dick to his daughter's boyfriend. So there's like some harsh lessons to learn about what he's doing to this young man, yes. presumably. Probably. It's all cyclical. It's like poetry, it rhymes. Yeah. Damn right it does. Don't be proud of that shitty George Lucas quote. <laughs> I say it to mock him and to mock the prequels and to mock Star Wars. Ah, uh, well, we're taking it back. I'm going to let you. We're reclaiming it. It does now. You can't use it against us anymore. <laughs> uh, and also, did you know they're doing a TED show? Peacock's doing a TED? As in Seth MacFarlane's. Aye. And I, I, I had no idea of this, but... yeah. Uh, apparently, I mean, I assume it's a, a prequel, unless the TV, unless the movie was set in the past, but I don't, I don't think it was. I never saw it. No, uh, it was definitely. I, yeah. I saw the first one. It was definitely contemporary. Yeah, it's set in the early nineties here. Uh, so you have assembled the main cast for Ted Seth MacFarlane's live action comedy series based on his popular film. Um, Jeremy MacFarlane is reprising the voice, obviously, of Ted the Bear himself. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have uh, Georgia Wiggum. Max Barkholder, or sorry, Burkholder, and Scott Grimes. Um, yeah, he's going to co-showrun McFarlane and executive produce all episodes. Uh, he's joined by some people who worked on Modern Family. Yeah, so it reunites uh, McFarlane and Burkholder. So yeah, and and Ted the series is 1993, and Ted's moment of fame has passed, leaving him. Living with his best friend, sixteen-year-old John Bennett. I assume that's the young version of. I'm assuming that was. See, I want to say it was Mark Wahlberg. I Wahlberg, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it, it, it's young Marky Mark. Yes, but he lives in a working-class Boston home with his parents and cousin. Ted might not be the best influence on John, but when it comes right down to it, Ted is willing to go out on a limb and help his friend and his family. Yeah, I mean. McFarlane's at home on TV, honey. So I'm not surprised by this news. I will be staying far away from it. Thank you very much. I didn't hate the first movie, I, but obviously I didn't like it enough to come back for a second one. I never saw it, but like, I've seen some other McFarlane work and I didn't want to see it anymore. <laughs> I really like American Dad. I will stick up for American Dad. And I think he is a phenomenal voice actor. Um, sure. 
he has a passion for crooning for some reason. I mean, I like the first few seasons of Family Guy well enough when I watch them, but uh, anything else I've seen from him, I've not liked. I a million ways to die in the West. Like I, I left mm. just mm. miserable. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll, I'll give you that one. That that is not a good movie. Yeah, like how is it that unfunny for the entire duration? How is it possible that not even one slipped through the cracks and was funny? Yeah, I, 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 I have no answer for you. Painful. Um. All right, dramas then. Well, it's, well not a lot of comedies this week, but we got some dramas to talk about. Uh, HBO Max has ordered Dead Boy Detectives based on the DC Comics characters by Neil Gaiman. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, you got a pilot order already, but this is the full series order. Uh, it's coming from the flight attendants Steve Yockey, Doom Patrol's Jeremy Carver, Berlanti Productions, of course, and Warner Brothers Television. Yeah. Is it Warner Brothers Discovery Television now? Have they renamed that particular? Depends. Did this article come out a few days before that? <laughs> uh, when's this day? 14th. Oh, that's today. No, no, so at least as of yet, they've not renamed that particular division. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Uh, so the A-part series is a ghost story that explores loss, grief, and death through the lens of Edwin Payne and Charles Rowland, two dead British teenagers, and their very alive friend, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. It's a place as well, which is I know it's, it's an area, yeah. Which is why I was throwing me. I'm like, if you if your last name was Palace and you had a daughter, would you really go? I'm going to Crystal for the lols. <laughs> uh, maybe thematically, there's a reason for it, and it, it works. I'm sure there is. I, I've I've seen them appear in something or other that I've read, but I've not read like the main stuff. Yeah. Uh. So. Yeah, yeah, I've never really heard of this, and I, I'm not particularly familiar with a lot of Gaiman's work, really, so... You should be. It's all great. Aye. A lot of the concepts definitely appeal more to you than me, though. I mean, that's probably fair. He does lean a little bit more towards the fantasy side of things. Like, I never but... watched, uh, was it Good Omens on Amazon? But, like, I just, I just never felt it. I never felt I, the concept. I haven't watched that either, but also, to be fair, that's... That was co-written by Gaiman and Terry Brooks, so... Or Terry... Brooks? Pratchett? I'm completely blank on which one it was now. O'Quinn. I think it was Pratchett. Farrell. You're not helping. Either way... I've run out of Terry's. (laughs) Chocolate orange. (laughs) (laughs) There's always one more Terry. Zaz, we're done with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm down for this. And HBO Max is ordering a lot of DC properties. Uh, you know, overall, which mm-hmm. isn't surprising because they can, right? Um, I, I was, they, you know, why wouldn't you? But it's nice to see anyway. Yeah, yeah, they're dipping into the well, and they're they're going deep because we already had that that you know the Aqualad graphic novel last time, and now we got this. So it's, it's not like they're just going for the obvious big picks either. It's good because I'm. Um, um, don't be wrong. There is going to. There, there will be Batman. We know there's Batman related stuff. We know there's Batgirl stuff, which is all that's great. So why not have both? I wasn't complaining necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the, the stuff they have picked so far is inherently a, streamed at me, but that's okay. I'm sure they will eventually. I mean, they're working on a Green Lantern show, right? That sounded like up your alley. I if it's good, but like you know. Superhero TV that goes shows for everything. Yeah, but superhero TV shows like uh, I've got more losses now for me than they do hits. That's so. fair, but I remember it being described as the you know the alien police stuff. Sure, but I just you know I, like I have I have some franchise superhero fatigue in general. So by and large, they have to they have to win me over before I'll get excited. That's fair. So, all right, next up. Uh, Hulu has ordered eight episodes of a limited series about Sammy Davis Jr. from Lee Daniels and 20th Television. It is based on the Will Haygood book in black and white, The Life of Sammy Davis Jr. So, yeah. uh, Sammy Davis Jr. rose from childhood stardom on the vaudeville stage to become one of the most famous African-American entertainers of the 1950s and 60s and the only black member of Frank Sinatra's Rat Pack. 
At the same time, he spent most of his career surrounded by controversy and ridicule over his affairs with white film stars, his 1960 marriage to Swedish actress Mae Britt, his conversion to Judaism, his closeness to the Kennedys and later Richard Nixon, and his problems with alcohol and drugs. I can see why it's easily adaptable, like as a life story into a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of easy narrative points to, to play with there. Yeah, uh, I'm not a big biopic person, uh, typically. I, I find, for me, if they hit, they can really hit, but overall, I, I'm mostly just, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I feel like something that's probably going to have a very slick look to it is probably going to be something they really pimp out as a, a prestige piece of content. Yeah, be a little uh, award season contender. Yeah, but, I, but I am probably some going, acting nominations. But I'm probably going to see the trailer and just sort of go, yeah, it looks fine. But yeah, not, I, not, I agree. Not be in love with it. Uh, that is my estimation. Uh, I mean, maybe if I was like a you know a fan of this era of music and. Like knew knew him beyond just hearing the name in passing. Maybe I'd care more, but uh, I don't. So yeah, there you go. Uh, next up, Paramount Plus has given a formal series green light to the Turkish Detective, an adaptation of Barbara Nadell's CWA Silver Dagger award-winning novels featuring Detective Inspectors Seton Aikman and Mehmet Suleiman. This is a 24-book series. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Haluk uh, Bel- uh, Belgner uh, and Ethan Kai and Yasmin K. Allen have been tapped to star in the series, set in modern-day Istanbul and produced by Miramax and leading Turkish production company A. Yapim. And apologies for mispronouncing it, I think, here, but uh, I'm doing my best. Um, so... Written executive produced by Ben Schiffer from Skins and directed by Niels Arden Oplev from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, I'm going to assume that's the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because the name sounds quite... Yeah, strange. I don't recognise the name enough, so I don't yeah. know which, which one for sure. But uh, The episode first season is based on the 24 novel series with all of it. <laughs> that's a lot. I think they're just I know, I know, I know. being generic. Uh, and the series depicts the lead characters Inspector Seton Aikman and his partner, Mehmet Suleiman, and Detective Aya... Oh, God. Farsakoglu. Farsakoglu. There's a lot... Do you know what? Sometimes you just have too many uh, syllables. Yeah, you do struggle with syllables. Too many syllables. Uh, Anyway, so going through the ups and downs as they solve crimes. Uh, Each crime story is heavily rooted in the varied culture and history of Istanbul, and set against the frenzied world of modern day Turkey. So it's like, you know, it's a crime show. The, the the selling point being is that it's based on a long series and it's set in a perhaps more unique location based on, you know, compared to all the other crime shows that are mostly either in the US or somewhere in Scandinavia because they make a lot of crime shows as well. They, they do, and most of them are very well regarded. Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of cred. The people seem to like it. Something about the snowy setting just makes for a good, there's a serial killer on the it list. It just looks good and bleak, and it just <laughs> works. It does, so... Yeah. Uh, not much to add on this, but... No, I mean, sounds interesting enough, though, in terms of if you, if you like crime shows, right? Well, uh, I don't think it's going to... If you don't, I don't think it's going to break them old enough to, to win you over. Oh, the main character's gimmick is that he likes Turkish delights. I have had Turkish Turkish Delight. It's fine. I have no interest in Turkish Delight. I think it's disgusting. But... Well, what about Turkish Turkish Delight? Well, I've never had Turkish Turkish Delight. Well, there you go, then. It's not. The, it's, it's, it's pretty different, to be fair. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, all right. So Peacock's got a few things on the slate this week. Uh, first, some feathers. Yeah. First up here, Casper. Oh, I did see this. I, 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 I did, yes. Live action TV show based on Casper. Uh, it's a brand new version, brand new incarnation. It's a coming of age horror adventure series. Um, it's reminiscent, they're saying here, of Riverdale's darker interpretation of the Archie comics. So, I mean, does that this mean it's going to be gold? Does this mean it's going to be batshit insane, or does it just mean it's going I, for? Honestly, I would love a batshit insane Casper <laughs> show. <laughs> That'd be amazing. 
Yeah, uh, set in high school, Casper is written, executive produced by the Ghost Bride head writer Kaiyu Wu. Uh, in it, when a new family arrives in the small town of Eternal Falls, Casper finds himself entangled in a mystery, uncovering dark secrets that have been buried for over a hundred years. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Sounds terrible, I'm in. I'm gonna hate watch the hell out of it. Uh, do, do you want to know the uh, the only reason I heard this? Because uh, like this would have passed under my radar if not for one person on my Twitter feed retweeting it and making a joke, going a uh, live action seems a bit cruel. Very funny. Yes, that is that is the only reason I am aware that this exists this week. Uh, I mean, were you fond of the original Casper movie? Did you grow up? I did. I, I remember watching. Yeah, I remember watching it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I like, I like the Long first Casper movie. No. I don't know, watch it alongside stuff like, you know, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Not necessarily the movie, but just in general. Sure. Uh, you know. Although, uh, let's, let's be fair, I definitely watched that first movie a lot too. I actually did see the sequel, because uh, I think there was two, like, made for yeah. either video or TV sequels. And I definitely saw this, whatever the, the first sequel was. I'm uh, pretty sure I did as well. Which was much cheaper, and it was like a, a kid and... The, uh, like, I've got a visual in my head of it. It wasn't... Because there was one that was a little girl that was, like, something like Casper and Wendy. I didn't see that one. It was the other one. Whatever the other one before that was called. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean... I, I, I have memories of enjoying Casper, but I was a child, and it sure. that doesn't... That in no way means it was good. It was probably not. I mean, I but think... Well, maybe, I, maybe it holds up. I don't know. I think I watched it in my early 20s and found it to be... You know, like, a bit dated, but definitely... Hit the nostalgia solid, like family yeah. friendly movie yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it helps you got Bill Pullman Christina Ricci um, yeah. one of the uncles is Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond and he's got a really distinct mm. sort of you know gravelly voice so he's quite good um, the villains are kind of fun so yeah this is alright I, I, I couldn't really tell you much about it because it's been a long time since I saw it but yeah I mean I like Casper so sure and let's, let's, let's Riverdale the shit out of this. And I remember the score being not bad as well, actually. But, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really want more Casper. I don't need more Casper. <laughs> but what about Riverdaleized Casper? <laughs> you say that as if I have been keeping up with Riverdale and would care about more. I, 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 I just love, like, you know, keeping up with Riverdale via headlines every so often. Being just like, what? What is this? Uh, someone's got superpowers or something. I don't know. Multiverse shenanigans. Uh. Um, let's move on, shall we? Uh, yeah. Peacock's developing Pure, a one-hour drama based on Alan Salkin's Vanity Fair article, The Runaway Vegan. So, yes, written by Heather Rayner. Uh, actually, that's probably Rejnier. Yeah, I, I, probably, I just, you know, I saw the, the, the letters and just made an assumption <laughs> about the order. <laughs> uh, but she worked on Veronica Mars, Pure will chronicle the rise and fall of the relationship between Sarma Melingalis and Anthony Strangis, two people who fulfilled each other's desires to live in a world that existed outside of reality, which ultimately destroyed them. A tragic, twisted love story doomed from the start. Um, the title of the series likely comes from Pure Food and Wine, uh, Melingalis' upscale New York City raw food restaurant, presumably vegan, hence why they said runaway vegan, uh, which made sense. her famous. But... Falling under the influence of Strangis, who promised her everything from financial prosperity to immortality for her and her dog if she obeyed him, and Meligly siphoned two Most million. Of a ton. <laughs> Mel was well, this had the runaway vegan, so we were getting to the runaway part. Uh, Meligly siphoned two million dollars of her business, and the two went to on the run when they were arrested at a motel when Strangis used his real name to order a pizza. <laughs> I bet the twist is it was a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> I mean, the cheese is already. Uh, it it could be vegan cheese. It could be vegan cheese. Well, they could have done no cheese. But you could also just have like you know whatever the vegan substitute pepperoni is. I mean, you could, but I'm sure it exists. It's like the most common pizza in the world. I'm sure there's a vegan version of pepperoni pizza. Yeah, but that, that's the twist. He ordered a real pepperoni <laughs> pizza. And, and he, he's evil all along. This, this is how she discovers he's evil. You tried to feed me a pepperoni pizza. I mean, was, she, was he ever even claiming to be vegan, though? Didn't mention that. I don't know. I'm, I'm just making assumptions, because <laughs> vegans. 
Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of that, uh, honestly. <laughs> uh, sounds a bit wild, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I can see it having a similar, because I watched the first episode of uh, Inventing Anna. I can see it having a very similar sort of vibe to that, which is, oh, this crazy real person who did all these weird things. Uh, I could see it having kind of the same mm. energy as that, if, if, if they want to go that route. But uh, next up, Peacock. More, more based on true story things. In fact, this is literally called Based on a True Story. Better be worth it if you're using that name. You better, you better have a damn good thing to back it up. It is a comedic thriller from the boys' executive producer Craig Rosenberg and Ozark's Jason Bateman. Inspired by a bizarre true event, the series is about a realtor, a plumber, and a former tennis star whose lives unexpectedly collide, exposing America's obsession with true crime, murder, and the slow-close toilet seat. <laughs> I'm stumped. You're more intrigued than the last one, though. Admit it. <laughs> I am. I think uh, you know. Up until the end, I was like, oh, okay, okay, and and now I, I I I don't have a reaction. You lost me. There, there's a mild hook in that. How I mean, a realtor and a plumber. I can see how those two go together because a realtor yeah. would be help. You know, may have to call a plumber because he's dealing with his his properties. Right. There's a reason there's a, a link. But then you say former tennis star. I mean, maybe he's buying a house. Selling the house. Or selling the house, yeah. They're, they're former, so you know they, they bought the house in the glory days when they were doing good. Okay. And, and now, now that the money's all dried up, it's like, ah, I need to need to downsize. Okay. Okay. I, I don't need the three tennis courts in the back anymore. Yeah. You know? But yeah, one tennis court will do that. Uh, yeah. But slow close toilet seat. No, I, I, I realize that we've already established the plumber. But how does the plumber and the slow close toilet seat play into the obsession with true crime and murder? <laughs> Well, that's the hook. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the fact that it says comedic thriller is the most interesting thing. If this was just like a straight, we're going to do some like true crime stories. You would be like, oh, it'll, it'll be a bit quirky, but whatever, right? Yeah. But comedic thriller is like, okay, maybe it'll have like a tone. It'll have like a, some humor to it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up. Dominic Fishback, who was in The Deuce, but more recently Apple's Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, alongside Samuel Jackson, is she's been cast uh, in Amazon's Donald Glover and Janine Neighbors series, untitled right now, uh, but it used to be called Hive, but apparently they decided to stop calling it that. So it comes from the Atlantic creator and the Watchmen writer. Uh, so I don't th th necessarily think Donald Glover is going to be in it based on that. But uh, Fishback has been stars has been cast as the lead of the show. Uh, it reportedly revolves around a Beyonce-like figure uh, and has garnered headlines purely because one of the writers is uh, Malia Obama. Okay. So she's a good actress, though. Cheers. What's it about beyond? Like you're telling me a a Beyonce like figure, but do doing what? Uh, so, so, I mean, but, someone who's famous and a bit of a fashion icon, maybe. I don't know. Right, but th there's gonna be a plot to go with that. I'm sure there is, but they're 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 not telling us yet. No, I know, but th that's why I'm not interested yet. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I was I was hoping maybe they you know there was something further down that they said before that maybe you didn't read because it wasn't the new part. No, no. But I guess not. And that's it. That's the whole thing. Oh. Uh, next up, Glamorous is the name of the show, uh, starring Fuller House Miss Benny, who previously uh, this was previously in the works at the CW, but it's actually now been handed a series order in Netflix. So this is something that that changed its uh, destination. Ah, it's Sabrina'd. Possibly yes. Uh, drama series comes from Star Trek Discovery and Quantico co-executive producer Jordan Nardino and Damon Wayne Jr. It tells the story of Marco Migia, a gender non-conforming queer young man whose life seems to be stuck in place until he lands a job working for a legendary makeup mogul, uh, Madeline Addison. It's Marco's first chance to figure out what he wants out of life who he actually is, and what it really means for him to be queer. Yeah, doesn't sound like it's for me, but sure. Yeah, uh, I, wonder, I wonder why CW, did CW just turn it down, or did they realise that uh, the subjects were going to be a bit, you know, they wanted to go further with it than CW would let them. 
maybe, but CW tends to be pretty open with that sort of stuff. I don't actually mean the subject of having a queer character. I'm more just like maybe how, you know, more adult with it it wants to get. That's possible. Maybe maybe they wanted to skew less teeny. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I mean. Oh, I mean, yeah, CW's got tons of gay characters across its shows. I mean, as far as network TV goes, they're probably up there, right, as the most diverse. Probably, but having said that, it's not like we're sampling a lot of CBS and NBC shows to check. That, that's true, but I mean, we don't <laughs> sample that much CW stuff these days either. No, but I mean, we've got a pretty good sampling for for a good like five-year period there. That's, that's true. Uh, now, speaking of, actually, so this is an NBC pilot, but this actually comes with some other news with it. Uh because of who's in this new show. So Jesse L. Martin is leaving The Flash hmm. uh, because he's going to be in this new NBC pilot. Uh, his contract, along with the other three remaining original cast members, being Grant Gustin, uh, Payne Baker, and Candace Patton, uh, all their contracts came up at the end of season eight. It got renewed for season nine. It's a shorter season nine, but they didn't say it was the last season, so there might still be more. But uh, basically... It, Clearly, they didn't, you know, bring him back full time. He is going to be in some episodes of season nine. Uh, whether that means he's going to be sporadically coming back here or there, or if they're going to write him out somewhere in season nine, who knows? But uh, he's not going to be a regular anymore, and he has been cast in a new NBC show. Um, so yeah, fair enough. Uh, and he's also producing the pilot, which is which is it's called the Irrational. Um, and it's going to shoot in May, early June, uh, in Vancouver, where The Flash also films, making it easy for him to run back and forth, presumably, for a bit, while he's doing both. Yep. Um, so, written by Akira Mitman, The Irrational is based on the best-selling author Dan O'Reilly's predictably irrational book. The show centers on Alec Baker, a world-renowned professor of behavioral psychology, with a unique insight into human nature who lends his expertise to an array of high-stakes cases involving governments, corporations, and law enforcement. However, he meets his match in a female domestic terror suspect who turns his world upside down. This is such a, this is classic NBC pilot. I know, it, it so is. This, this is basically, it's a cop show, but one of them is, in, in this case, whatever he was there, I've forgotten already, it was generic. Professional psychologist. Yeah. Honestly, I almost think there should be a new drinking rule for um, when they bring in someone who's not a cop or not an FBI agent to basically act as one because of yeah. their expertise. Also, this has strong vibes of we're missing Hannibal. Hmm. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like tonally it won't play anything like that at all. But just on that, I, I can see them kind of trying to capture that same sort of audience with it. Ah, yeah, I can see it. Uh, sticking with NBC, Samantha Mathis, who you might know from the hit film Super Mario Brothers, uh, and Norm Doesn't Lewis, <laughs> are set to star as series regulars opposite Matt Passmore and Flori Floriana Lima in Blank Slate, a NBC drama pilot. Uh, so, yeah, it comes from Dean Georgeris, or, yeah, Georgeris. Uh, John Fox and Dave and Davis Entertainment. Um, it's got, the pilot's going to be directed by Richard Shepard. Blank Slate draws some parallels to Davis Entertainment's long-running NBC series, The Blacklist. So they're just openly admitting here. Now, admittedly, this may not actually be their copy. This might be Deadly adding this before they put in the plotline copy. But Could be here. But either way, <laughs> they're already saying, "Hey, it's basically filling this slot." <laughs> Yeah. Um, so in Black Slate, Special Agent Alexander McCoy, it's a good name, uh, is a legend in law enforcement. The agent we all hope is out there. The agent we'd all like to be. The only issue is he doesn't actually exist. He's a ghost, a phantom. So what happens when a man claiming to be Alexander McCoy walks through the door with all of his skills and knowledge, but with an agenda nobody will see coming? I despise all of this. <laughs> Do you know what? I could just see the opening scene being this guy walking into the FBI headquarters or wherever it is, and like everyone freaking out, and then like you know arresting them because they think he's dangerous. Coming and going, Bond, James Bond. The, the, like, yeah, basically don't exist. The first the first episode is going to be like just like him sitting in the chair being interviewed as it cuts back to things as he's talking. I, like I'm I'm willing to bet you. 
Mm. Well, I bet you. Um, that, hell, that could be the whole season, to be honest. It could just be like one long, like him being interrogated, but it's cutting back to like whatever the ongoing plots he's telling are. So, there you go. You could look. Not for me, though. Oh, no, no, not at all. Uh, still with NBC, a lot of NBC pilots this week. Uh, ben Rappaport and Alexandra Chando have been cast as the leads in NBC's untitled drama pilot based on the award winning Dutch series Adam and Eva. Which I think I remember talking about, actually. I do remember this one, yeah. yeah. Uh, the pilot is written by the Village creator, Mike Daniels, and will be directed by Stephanie Lang. Uh, it's described as a funny and heartfelt drama, chronicles the epic love lives of two complete strangers, Adam and Eva. His multiple run-ins begin to defy coincidence, leading both to believe in fate. The show breaks the mold by pairing serialized stand-up and sheer romantic comedy with wildly diverse and often unexpected human stories of anyone who finds themselves six degrees from Adam and Eva. I don't know why they wouldn't just keep that title. Yeah, like it's, it's pretty distinct. You know, the phrase Adam and Eve means a lot, so having something saying Adam and Eve is like, okay, it's like that, but just a little twist on it, so. Yeah, it, it tells you a lot already in terms of like, okay, it's got, and it's not like they're going to be worried about you know, search engine screw-ups, right? It's different enough, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, what's the bet it's going to end up being called, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know where it's going to be set necessarily, but, like, they'll be like, uh, Central Park of Eden. Or so, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do they'll, something They'll stupid. go, like, really generic with it. They'll go with that, that six degrees of Adam uh, and Eva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll just be six degrees. <laughs> They'll just drop Adam and Eva. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they really don't want anyone to search it online. <laughs> They're gonna do what they what, what they wanted to do with Why the Last Man and just call it Why. Oh yeah. Remember uh, that for about two months. Well, that'd be really controversial if they just called it Adam and everyone's like, "Wait, why is Eva getting dropped from the title? She oh, not equally important." Controversial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I I am disappointed that nothing's been to drink yet. Honestly, out of all these pilots. They're just not hitting them this time. No. We we started strong with CBS last time, well, hitting me immediately. We're at the last story of the week, and it is CBS. Is it CBS? No, oh, okay. Now I am cheating a little bit with this because it's it's not a TV show announcement, but but I had to have some CBS at the end to. You you want an excuse to make me drink? Talk. Well, I don't know if it's going to. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it will because technically these are movies, not TV shows, but they're TV movies. CBS uh, have announced three Christmas original movies that are going to play. I hate December. them all. I hate this already. I hate everything about it. CBS Christmas TV movies. Oh, get out of here. Cheryl Crow will executive produce and write the title song for When Christmas Was Young. The tune-themed flick from screenwriter... Oh, this is actually from. It says Fro. Deadline. Come on. Spell check your, your, your articles. They're proofread. Uh, screenwriter and best-selling novelist Robert Tate Miller from who's worked on Hope at Christmas and Forever Christmas <laughs> planned for the 2022 holidays here's the logline the story follows a headstrong music manager in desperate need of a hit song for his last remaining client who finds I've him, seen this movie who finds himself <laughs> falling for a gifted singer-songwriter with abandoned dreams of making it big as he attempts to secure the rights to a Christmas song she wrote years ago. What? Isn't this basically about a boy? I'm sure it's about a boy. That was like 20 years ago, no one cares. <laughs> it was like a movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is about a boy. <laughs> no, it's about a Christmas song. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> Oh, I hate this news story. You thought this in just to spite me, didn't you? <laughs> oh, the second movie. Um, oh, there's more. Amanda Klutz, who worked on The Talk, will headline executive producer Fit for Christmas from writer and executive producer Anna White. Wait, Christmas? That's <laughs> what this is. They saw Netflix getting in on all the, <laughs> the Christmas prints, whatever those ones were called. Aye, the Lifetime movies, basically. Yeah, yeah, but Netflix got in on it, and and now they're like, oh, we should do it. Yeah, uh, so yeah, Anna White, who worked on Christmas Wonderland. I love how all these names have worked on really generic-sounding Christmas movies before. Of course they have. It's all they know how to do. It's the same movie recycled. <laughs> it follows Audrey, 
an enthusiastic Christmas-obsessed fitness instructor at a beloved financially beleaguered community center. This is a lot of words for a really simple <laughs> sentence. Uh, in a quaint mistletoe Montana. She works in a town called Mistletoe, Montana. Oh, it's magical. No wonder she's Christmas-obsessed. <laughs> it's magical, Connor. <laughs> Who begins a holiday romance with a charming, mysterious businessman complicating his plans to turn the center into a more financially profitable resort property. Resort? Resort, is what I'm going to say there. Um, ah, you know what this is? This is uh, Christmas with a capital. See, this is the atheist comes to town and tries to ruin Christmas. This is a, this is, this is a Smallville plot. This is, this is when Lex <laughs> tries to buy the coffee shop and uh, turn it, or the, the cinema, whatever it was, the theater. Is that a bun? Is it not? No, that's yeah, a real he, thing. That's a real yeah, thing. No, he, he, I think he, I think he tries to buy the the theater that L- Lana's parents oh, yes. were at, and and turns it into a coffee shop and goes all corporate with it, and oh. and Lana has to beg him not to. That that's what this movie is. It's it's that Smallville plot from way too long ago that not, was not, terrible. Not that I should remember it, but it's bugging me. I can't remember the name of the coffee shop that she worked at. I'm sure it was a pun because you know cinema and cinema and. Cinnabon. <laughs> Damn it. That ah, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's, it's going to annoy me for the rest of the night. Ah, that's fine. That's fine. Do you know what the problem is? All I can think of is goddamn jizz. Ah, yes. That's, that's in Central City. Yeah. Well, there was also one in one of the other cities that was the same set, and they just said it was the different set. Yes. Yeah, well, that's a big change. You, you know, <laughs> you know yes. yeah, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact that every McDonald's you've ever walked into has been a slightly different shape and layout. Absolutely identical. Every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Every Starbucks, never, exact same I, size and layout, everyone. I have never been in one that doesn't conform to the Starbucks specifications. <laughs> never forget the fact that some Starbucks have drive throughs and some don't. No, no, no. Uh, well, there's two models, obviously. <laughs> there's, there's the drive through model and, and, and there's the install model, and that, you know. <coughs> Full of shit. All right, there's, there's one more Christmas movie to tell you about, though. Don't, don't think you're getting out of this. Uh, and Mark Amato who's got dozens of holiday films under his belt, including last year's CBS original, A Christmas Proposal. Uh, he's going to write, Must Love Christmas, a romance novelist who gets snowed under in a bucolic town? What does bucolic mean? Bucolic. B-U-C-O-L-I-C. Bucolic. What does that mean? Uh, relating to the pleasant aspects of the countryside and country life. I've learned a new so word it, today. So it's a fancy way of saying rural. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yes, uh, gets snowed in uh, and falls again for a childhood crush. I hate all of these. <laughs> also, I had to look up the Smallville one. Okay, go um, on. Apparently it had two different names over its lifetime. <laughs> of course it The did. one that you're, you're, you're most familiar with, I assume, is the Talon. Ah, uh, okay, that's not a pun in Sunna. No, it's not. And at some point it's called the Beanery. Is this because they renamed it after, like, Lex bought it or something? No, or was it just because right. they forgot the name and renamed it? No, I don't know. Oh, no, I think it was the Beanery first, and then they renamed it as the Talon. Because, why not? But, yes, we, we have solved the Smallville mystery. Because that, that is what we are here to do. I think. You know the uh, CBS story is not exciting enough when we're... We're choosing to try and remember Smallville things. Well, that's because it was a Smallville plot. <laughs> so we had a Battle Boy, we had Smallville, and then we had just Romcom 101. Aye. Sure. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of a specific one. Well, there you go. That's, that's the TV news for the week. <laughs> the TV news and CBS's terrible Christmas movies. <laughs> Because I saw that like late in my my searching, and I thought you know I'm gonna CBS yet. I'll I'll throw it on as a as a maybe for the end, and then I didn't find it. I was like, yeah, let's stay then. <laughs> I hate you sometimes. Actually, I hate you all the time. Too. <laughs> <sighs> oh dear. Uh, so yeah, uh, thanks to point out that I suppose before we wrap up, Better Call Saul is back, um, in the coming week. So look out for a review that which will feature both of us. Uh, we were just going to review the first two episodes as one video because it is you know they're, they're putting out the first two uh, on night one. So we'll just treat it as uh, one big episode effectively for the review. 
and we'll get to that as soon as we can. It may not necessarily be as quick as it used to be, but uh, it will be reviewed with both of us, so it'll just come whenever it comes in the week. There is a day in mind for this week, but yes. it will change probably every week. Yes, yes. Uh, but and we'd rather keep it both of us rather than worrying about getting it out super quick. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm I'm willing to let a lot of new shows slide. But you know, we'll watch this all. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being there for that. Also, I'm telling you right now, when that Esmail show starts up, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. If I choose to wait for you, you will wait. You will watch it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't have time for too much TV. Oh no, no, no. We can there, make there time for this one. Every, I can make time for Esmail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're damn right. I can. So yeah, that's coming. That's coming this week. Uh, obviously, as always, check out uh, other things over Melfa's movies. I'll, I'll pimp out the Interstellar episode of the Atomic Cinema Experience, a sci-fi movie podcast that I do with Tara. Uh, I put a lot of editing time into streams in Ace now, uh, so you get movie clips and stuff throughout them. So I'm going to take the effort to promote each of the new ones as they come out. Uh, we had a really good discussion about Interstellar and the themes of the film and how we felt when it first came out. Watching it again now, uh, so if that sounds interesting. Go over to Melfa's movies and uh, check out. Yeah, and we did some Star Trek, in which I dropped some hot takes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Inner Light came out this week. Star Trek Next Generation. There was hot takes, potentially. There, yes. there was hot takes. But uh, yeah, go go check out the ongoing Star Trek, Babylon 5, all that stuff. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for joining us on the TV news this week. Uh, we'll see you again next week. So uh, like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all that stuff helps out a lot. And of course, head over to patreon.com slash TV where you can support us for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. So please go and have a look and do that as well. So uh, that is us. So thank you once again. We'll see you next time. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?